If I could put 10 mice in my pants at once for $1,000, I would. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Know who she is, but now and I the show watch. started. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm joined by uh, Big Money Banks. That was a classic move I used to do with Pat all the time. I used to like to start it uh, be- while he was talking about something else. But now you should actually start it beforehand, secretly. I- oh, I should start it beforehand. That way he gets talking about. Yeah, there's a couple times, a couple of past episodes where, uh, like, I've gotten him to say something before, and then I just throw it on at the end of the episode, like a little teaser. So that's why everybody has to listen through every single thing I say in the episode. Wait until it's completely done, because you never know what you're gonna find. But fine. Hey, Some hey, personal hey. secret about Pat that he's confiding in you. Yeah, and I'm joined by Big Money Banks, people. Just so you know. Uh, oh yeah, that's me. That's yeah. So he's here. We're excited because he's here. Pat. Cannot be here. Pat's working. Uh, he's working a lot of nights right now, as well as days. So he's pretty busy. So our scheduling did not work out. But I'm glad I got big money here. Also, later in the show, I have an interview with Nate Boyer, and Nate Boyer was a, a former Green Beret, turned Texas Longhorn football walk-on, turned Seattle Seahawks uh, football player. NFL football, uh, long snapper. So he is uh, interview later on in the show, so look forward to that. Until then, Banks, how you been, man? Oh, I'm great. Good. Yeah, that, that guy seems like he would relate to me because I watched the Longhorns play against Oklahoma, and now I live near the Seahawks. Yeah, that's true. Banks, did you switch your microphone? Because now it sounds worse. Uh, I don't think so. No, I'm the same. Okay. Is it we'll better just, now? A little bit, yeah. Why don't we let the callers decide? <laughs> okay, let's get those callers in here. Guys, go ahead and call right now. I will give you uh, Nate's number. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> uh, so anyway, here we go, Banks. Uh, you, Yeah, it's been a, a couple of weeks. You were on the show not too long ago. We, when we had Chubb 100, uh, Pat actually said that his favorite episode was the one that you were on. That's quite really, a lot. I, I was going through – I tend to – binge backwards through like four or five at a time and I just listened to the last three I think Yeah, and I saw Chubb 100 and it made me laugh out loud to the name but I didn't get to listen to it yet it was funny I think uh, listener Eric Nava actually came up with the name Chubb, Chubb 100 because I you know it, it is good I mean every it was all about the name and it had a lot of build up just because of the name the actual episode itself was just okay you know uh, but it, it overall a lot of build up and it was good because you know 100 episodes I was pretty happy about it but uh, yeah I mean big big things there Banks big things yeah it's starting to go places it, they, I feel like the quality of guests well oh, specifically for this episode yeah. in the last few has gone up yeah I agree and I actually have a lot I, I, I mean I literally have I think another five guests lined up already you know for so upcoming episodes is, is that is, is the um, Latino gangster 
typecast guy? Is that the guy that you and your dad, what would you, is that the guy that you would always talk about? Yeah, that's why I was so happy to have Noel on the show because I mean, me and my dad, oh yeah, for years we have been talking about how there's, I know, yeah, yeah, there's one guy that always kind of plays, as he said, you know, it's like uh, Mexican Gangster 1 or this kind of thing, and he's in so many movies and you see him and he's like, if if there's ever that role in the movie, he's the one playing it. And so we made, you know, we talked about it for years, we've been talking about this. And, and now he's on Chubstep. And it was on Chubstep. I was super excited about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, I'm just always happy to people able to call in. I need people. How did, how did you how did he get on the show? Is he just a fan? Or? He's just a big fan. Yeah, just a big fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's not a big fan, Banks? Who's not a big fan? Uh, Pauly Shore. Pauly Shore. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's probably a lot Sean of people Hampton. that are big, not big fans. So uh, I'm going to go into a little bit of my uh, trip last week. So I was in New York. I kind of mentioned it on last week's episode. I was in New York for a movie. And when we had recorded last week's episode, kind of I had kind of just gotten there and kind of before we had done anything. So right. I, I, uh, I saw a lot of interesting things while I was there. So one of the first things I noticed is, is when we were driving to the Bronx to one of the locations to film uh, the movie is that there was this old, okay, there was an old lady Looked in her upper 60s, lower 70s, you know, depending on how well she had aged. Who knows? And she was bending over. And this is like in a median. Like sometimes, you know, medians are pretty much bigger. Like they have a grass area in the median. Yeah. So that's what this was. It's a pretty big grass area median. This uh, this old lady is bending over and she's like kind of dry heaving, you know, okay. in this median. And then there's a guy behind her uh, looks like like he would be her son's age, you know, maybe like upper 30s. And he is holding her butt while she's doing this. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? That's what was happening. 100%. 100%. The drove right past this. You know, I was right next to the, you know, within within 10 feet of what was going on. It sounds like there may have been a different activity going on. She was facing the opposite direction of him. And, uh, no, this, there was nothing, there was nothing sexual so in was, nature of what he was holding her butt from behind and she was bending over like not like heaving. not like not like grabbing it like literally just like a like placing his hand on her butt oh so, <laughs> so just like a, like a compassionate yeah but it was just really strange uh to see sympathetic yeah <laughs> it's really weird so that was the first uh strange thing i saw uh so overall really good actually really great experience in new york I, i've been there um quite quite a few times but never like stayed in the city it was much different to like actually you know not do a day trip and actually like stay there and kind of see you know it was basically living there for a week you know and yeah, yeah. It, i i had a much much more respect for it after that and i liked it a lot there was uh uh one of the things is that uh i was a little bit nervous so a couple of different shooting locations for this movie and this is about these uh gangster guys in new york so a lot of the locations were at actual spots that these guys would hang out. And so the first few days were pretty nice. And then the last day uh, that I was that I was there, I, I kind of, the first few days kind of dressed like, um, you know, it's kind of like a black t-shirt and some kind of not so nice khaki pants. You know, it was kind of like blending in because I didn't know what kind of areas we were going to be in. And then the, la- and the first few days were pretty nice. So I'm like, oh, I can just wear whatever. So I had like a nice like uh, golf polo type shirt and then really nice khaki pants and stuff like that. So I wore that to the set on the, on the third day. And on the third day, it was like in a really bad area. So yeah, I remember you saying it wasn't great. Yeah. So, uh, 
I, uh, I'm, I'm in there, and one of the things they had me do, like you know, I was kind of like hanging around on set. Uh, there was one day that I actually got to be in part of the filming of it, and uh, there because there was a bar scene, they needed some more bar patrons, so uh, I was just hanging out at the bar, getting free drinks while they were filming around me. I was sitting right next to the guys that were in, that were the actual part of the scene. So uh, then, on on one of the last days, they asked me, you know, can you go get some liquor for these guys for the actors? And, I, you know, because I, that's, you know, they just need some help. And so he gave me some cash oh and I'm in the super bad area and it's like 11 <laughs> o'clock at night. So I'm like, I, I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, I wasn't going to say no to anything that they asked me to do. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll go do that. So I go walk and it's like, luckily it's only like two blocks away. But as somebody no. who's, as somebody who's been robbed at gunpoint, I know what that feeling is like. Like I've never become more aware of my surroundings than I did after getting robbed. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like the second I walked out of there, like everybody's looking at you. Like I just I stuck out so much in this in this in this area. I walked two blocks with like you know a lot of contrast. You saying a lot of contrast to uh, the environment around me. And right. I walk I walk two blocks and I go into this liquor store. And I wasn't exactly sure where it was, first of all. So I, I felt luckily I found it. Go in this liquor store, and it's the one of the ones surrounded. Like you walk in there, and it's a tiny little hallway surrounded by glass on all sides. And then, so you can see the alcohol, but you can't touch it. And you know, super right. thick pane glass. And then you go up to the cash the cash register, and it's behind a one of those spinny glass things. So I put my money in, and he spins the, this you know three inch glass yeah. around. And then he can take the money and with my ID and then spin it back around so that uh, there's no actual contact between me and him and I can't shoot him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's one of those no scenarios. No bullets can spin through there. Yeah, exactly. No bullets can spin through there. And so that's the kind of ga- liquor store this was in. And so I get out and luckily I get back, nothing goes on. Uh, then later on, they there's these the cops show up and they've got they're like giving tickets to like everybody that's in the area like people like double parked or even just really loose like things like one of the uh, vehicles that we were one of the like uh production vehicles that we had was licensed as a residential vehicle not a commercial vehicle so this guy was like giving him a ticket and the cop just said hey sorry guys this is just your wrong place wrong time this is a really hot area So just something you love to hear when you're uh, there for 12 hours. And I was granted, I was there between, uh, it was like a little before 9 p.m. And I, I had to leave for the airport at 5.30 a.m. Uh, so I went straight That's from, basically straight. 12-hour shoot, right? It was, yeah, they kept going. So I, I basically went straight from there to the airport. And so that was uh, not so great. And for, first of all, that was, I ended up being up for 36 hours straight uh, during that time. Terrible. Yeah, I woke up at 2 p.m. that day earlier, and then I ended up going to bed at 2 a.m. the next day. So right, it was yeah, Which not is that, actually the next day after that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and after like it's a lot of standing around when you're on the set, like you're you're standing mm-hmm. around for most of the time. So I was pretty worn out, and then so yeah, then then one of the guys that was in that production truck, he just said he straight up just saw. While you know, while we were inside, some doing some of the filming, he straight up just saw these guys do a drug deal, and like they weren't even discreet about it. Like it wasn't even like some like, you know, like fake handshake. Matter of where fact, this is what happened. Yeah, it's just like, hey, here you go. Here's some drugs. Let me openly take this out of my pocket, and why don't you hand me this money over, and then we're just gonna walk separately away. And he said this like did it right in front of the truck while he was sitting there, like nothing to hide. It was just like, yeah, that's whatever. 
So <laughs> and the cops are giving you parking tickets while people are just dealing drugs. <laughs> yeah, obviously the timing wasn't exactly the same. You know, it was a little later when the drug deal was going down. But yes, exactly. I mean, he was just trying. You know, cops were just trying to find some reason to to bust some people in that area because it's mm-hmm. you know a lot of bad stuff going on. So, yeah. so that was definitely an experience. Then, uh, so I took a flight from there, and I met up with my family in. Martha's Vineyard. So they were there. My brother had been doing landscaping the whole summer in Martha's Vineyard. And gerating? No, not gerating. Not gerating. Just doing actual like full landscaping stuff, not just a machine that pokes holes in the ground. So yeah, where you make just lots of money. Yeah. So uh, so I took this. I the first time I'd been at Washington D.C.'s airport. I took a flight from Was- New York to Washington D.C. and then Washington D.C. into Martha's Vineyard. So another, so you went from bad area to bad area to fantastic. <laughs> yes, yes. So in, in the DC airport, I've never, I don't know, like, I, I've never seen such a, a poorly designed airport, and and I've been, to, I've been to quite a few airports, and so what happens is I get on the plane, sorry, I land in DC, and then I don't know where I'm like in gate 35 and the section that I'm in ends in like gate 34 and I'm looking around. I'm like, it doesn't say anywhere where gate 35 is. Then all of a sudden I look out the window and I see that across, like it's like U shaped. And on the other side, at the other side of the U, it says 35 is over there, but there's no signs that say that. I just see like the outside of the big, like, you know, part that sticks out where you actually walk on. It says 35 for the pilot to see when he has to find out where to Exactly, exactly. When they got on the, the tower calls me to go to 35, you saw the sign easy. Exactly. That's what I saw. So then I'm like, how do I get over there? I have like 30 minutes to get over, you know, connecting flight, not a lot of time in between. So then all of a sudden there's this, I, I see some sign that says shuttle to connecting terminal. And so I'm like, all right, so apparently, you know, like, and that makes, there's times where, you know, like in Denver airport to get from one spot to another spot, you take this crazy shuttle that goes from one part. There's airports where it's not all just walking distance connected and makes more sense to take shuttle. So I'm like, whatever. So I walk down and then you get inside, it's, you get inside like a bus, like a shuttle bus that's on the tarmac, like in between all the planes, like there's a plane on your left that's parked. There's a plane on your right that's parked. And then you're just in one of these shuttle buses that's driving through. So this guy and and they don't have like a clear path for these shuttles. It's like it was like they designed this. And then, through yeah, yes, this is exactly what happened. It's like they designed this, and then they were like, "Oh crap, uh, people can't really get to the other side so easy." So what do we? We gotta drive. We gotta have somebody drive over. We have some older guy that's driving our shuttle. He's clearly not very experienced with uh, roads or just driving in general. He does a it five. Like a, a grand test. Sorry, it sounds like a Grand yeah. Theft Auto mission. Yeah, does a five-point turn uh, to get to just get out of, you know, like he had pulled into a spot that you couldn't just continue going straight to loop back around to the other side. He had to reverse five times uh, to get out, to just go towards the other terminal, going forward and backward. And when you're on this shuttle, you're like hanging on to the little things and you're holding your luggage and you're like, yeah. you know, you're like falling into people. Then we start going. Then he basically has to slam on the brakes because another shuttle is passing in front of him. <laughs> then we're going. Then he has to swerve out of the way because of an airplane is 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 going by <laughs> to its thing. And then I'm like, what? Like, who designed? Who, whose idea is this? To like, this is how you get from one side to the other. This it took so long. It took so long to get to the other, and it was not that far of a distance. Like you could just see it in the other side, and it's so jerky and just so like 
you could you could easily see accidents happening with this. There's no like path, no like lines. Like, hey, follow this. Other airplanes won't be driving in front of you. Like plane on bus accident. Yes, it was so <laughs> stupid, and it happened more than once because I took the DC back to I when I flew back from Martha's Vineyard it was Martha's Vineyard to DC and the DC to Chicago, and it was this I took a, a shuttle to one of the like airplanes they didn't <laughs> they have like there was like a 36x and I'm like what is 36x there was 36 and 36x. And it was not clear. And 36X was you went downstairs and then you went, ended up going outside to a shuttle. And then it took you to one of just like the ones that just is like the stairs that is outside that takes you up to the bus or up to the plane. Oh, yeah. And it's like, (laughs) this is so stupid. So that was my DC airport complaint. Here's kind of the, uh, a similar, a different, different uh, situation with Martha's Vineyard Airport. It's the super small airport, as you could probably imagine. It's not a very big island. And it, you go in there, and then you've got this guy. Like, I go up to the American Airlines. It, first of all, it's like I, I'm trying to it's, – it's smaller than, like, a grocery store. Way smaller than, like, cut a grocery store, like a big suburban grocery store. Cut it in half lengthwise and then take off, like, 2,000 square feet, and that's, like, the size of, uh, of the Martha's Vineyard Airport. And, okay. yeah. So we go up to the American Airlines, like I'm taking that back, and I go up and I'm like, oh, here's my, uh, you know, I give him my information. He prints me off the ticket. Then he's the same guy that's like, uh, <laughs> he's the same guy that's like loading us onto the plane. Just one dude runs the whole. <laughs> There's like three people that work there. And the yeah. most ridiculous part was we were all sitting like to get on the plane. And this is a full like 23 row, you know, like four four seats to a row, like 23 rows. And I think there was like 11 people on the plane total, really not filled at all. And we're all sitting in like the waiting area and the, and the, the girl starts going, uh, is there any, uh, you know, veterans or people with disabilities or children, families with children to board the plane now? And then she says, group one can board now. And there's 11 people. <laughs> and then she says, Group, like she does the exact same thing that they do at like a crowded like O'Hare Airport, but it's like eleven yeah. people sitting and it's just us. Like there's nobody else in the airport, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like it looked like it seemed like an SNL skit. It was just absurd. Doesn't it like that? Doesn't it kind of scare you a little bit? Like that those people like it's it's the same. Like that's the same. Uh, you can get to the same airspace as the people who have to go through O'Hare. Like, yes. <laughs> There's no like the, the, if the terrorists wanted to go through anywhere like that would make it so much easier for them. Oh yeah, you totally want to go through to get, a place like to get that. a plane into the sky. Like oh oh yeah, all you have to do is get into the airport. Like the airport is like this inner sanctum, and all you have to do is find the weak points. Like what's the airport that has just the you know they they don't care. Now you're in. Now you're good to go. And it's still a plane in the sky like anything else. You just went the easy way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like. Right. I don't. I don't encourage terrorism, obviously, but uh, yeah, it seems it is interesting that like you you, know, you don't have to check into the next airport. You're just kind of like you're in the air, and there's different ways to get in. The much some are much harder than others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Banks, uh, your boy, want to talk about a little bit here? Uh, your boy, Russell Westbrook, won MVP. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm not a Russell Westbrook fan. I know, so I know uh, you're not. <laughs> Pretty avid Russell Westbrook hater, I guess yes. you could call me. He, but you, you were uh, in Oklahoma City for a while, so you got to see Russell Westbrook firsthand. I mean, you got to live in the city that he was big in. 
yeah, you know, most people liked him. Most people who knew about basketball didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's pretty obvious that, I mean, when you, if you, when you average a triple-double and your team still can't, like, when they lose, like, half of those games that you get triple-doubles in, like, <laughs> probably something, something might be going on. Yeah. Did, did you see the stats? I know I talked to Bryn Flakes about this off off the air, but SportsCenter did some whole – or ESPN did some whole thing about, like, he, they you know, like, did all the things, like, the way they would kind of, like, pad the stats so that he would get more assists and, and rebounds and stuff like that. Did you see that kind of stuff? No, I, I haven't really been paying attention too much to it other than reading some short articles. Uh, but, I, I mean, I believe it. It yeah. sounds – I mean, accurate. they would show, there was a lot of videos of like, uh, you know, Steven Adams would go up to grab a rebound and he would just kind of like box somebody else out, out of the way and then let Russell grab it, stuff like that. And yeah, just they, for those, those other stats to make them seem well-rounded. Just a, yeah, a rebound, like rebounds and stuff. And then, so they talked about uh, his, they talked about his like perimeter defense or something like that. And it was like the worst, they said it was like worst or second worst in the NBA. It was like worse than like DeAndre Jordan's uh perimeter defense. They talked about, like, guy shooting percent. I, I don't remember, remember what the breakdown was, but it was something like, you know, people's three-point percentage when he's guarding them. Something like, you know, some crazy thing like yeah, that. He was Because he was just it. always, like, backing off to get the rebound, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, no, I, I mean, granted, he's a, a, a very good player, uh, but I, to, for, for me, the the whole fact that, like, I mean, I feel like he got the, you know, he got the MVP because he got a triple-double, average triple double like it doesn't mean much to me yeah i mean that's literally the only reason <laughs> i mean it's, he's not valuable there yeah. seems like maybe one of those people who is the most valuable would probably have gotten them a little farther yeah you playoffs. would you would think that right because they're a good team i mean i like i said i haven't been paying super close attention but i'm pretty sure they still have a, a decent amount of, de- of good players yeah no they do they do yeah, no, you're you're definitely right about that. It just it, it just a weird, yeah. I don't know. People, I feel like, just kind of felt like they had to vote for him. Yeah, I mean, there's just we were talking about also off the air, yes. um, just how there's a lot of things wrong with the NBA, <laughs> the yes. rules and uh, the rest suck, and it probably just needs to get some kind of overhaul or something. Yes. I mean, that's why I stopped playing. Yes. Bird up. Um, so Banks, did you see that? So I, I took Uber quite a bit while I was in New York City, which is not very common. You know, a lot of people just take the subway, that kind of thing. I didn't know the city well enough to maneuver all that or want to take the time, you know, because I was usually in a rush to things. So I took Uber yeah. a lot. And Uber sent me an email recently, and they were like, hey, this is awesome. Now we've included tipping in Uber. Yeah, like Lyft, right? Lyft is another. Yeah. So you get to pay more. Yeah. Is anybody excited about this except for the drivers? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've definitely heard people say they want to tip people or have, like, offered to tip. And as, as long as it's not, like, as, as long as you're not, like, it's not assumed that you should tip, which I feel like it just is automatically. But it was more of just, like, to have the option would be nice. But I feel like anytime you have the option, you feel like you have to, just because that's how cabs are. That's the thing. And especially when you go to a rating system, are they going to know, it, like, say I give, first of all, I checked this out. I had a 4.95 uh, Uber rating uh, going into New York. 4.95. I Uber, when I talked to the Uber driver, he said it was the highest he'd seen. 
And then like two oh, wow. time, two couple times late, I ended up with a 4.92 after I took a, a, quite a bit of Uber, so I was in New York. 4.92 is what I ended up with. Um, still not bad. I'm all about me, baby. Yeah, but it went down. It did go down. It did go down. And because sometimes I'll talk, you know, sometimes I'll talk, especially because a couple times I'm riding with somebody else, and I, you know, I'd be talking to them and stuff like that. And uh, but here, like like you said, Banks, if you see this, like you feel obligated to tip, right? Yeah, I would think so. I probably would. Yeah, you would. And then that that obviously adds to the cost of it. And then on top of that, it's like if they can see if you tip or not, obviously that's going to affect the rating scale. Like, is my score going to go down if I'm going to say no tip? Like, am I going to get like a four or a three now instead of a five? They should definitely have to leave the rating before you tip. They see if you got the tip. I agree. I agree. Because that's, that, that would be. That seems, yeah. seems like it's something that wouldn't be hard for them to do and would solve problems. <laughs> So Banks, maybe you, it's like that. Is it like that? I don't know. Yeah. Do you wish that you could rate people like so? You are a pretty experienced coffee shop barista, right? Uh, yes, I I can say that. I I have experience there. Yes. Do you wish you could rate the customers? Uh, yeah, I don't get too many asshole people. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, but uh, yeah. Well, like, where would the rating be? Like. <laughs> like so that they walk if they walked into any other coffee shop they would automatically just like see oh this is a this person's a three out of five coffee taste. <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't thought through the whole process of how <laughs> how they would figure this out but you know like say uh yeah say how somehow like they just knew you know coming in like there was some app on a phone that as you walk in you know they already know who has walked in and now you see okay this guy is like a two-star you know this guy is a piece of crap would that affect mm-hmm. i guess would that really affect anything does it affect anything on the, on, well, on the customer end? I feel like what, what I was hearing, what, I, I read something or was, was listening to a podcast or someone, people talking about uh, uh, like Yelp reviews for yeah. people. Like there was some website that yeah. I think it got shut down or something where you literally, it's just a database of people's names. Got it. And if people want to like, put a rating attached to the name yeah. and reasons and stuff and how like it's kind of just what you're talking about just generalized and like that kind of thing would just be horrible for like everybody yeah because it, it would just be pretty much just a database of all the worst things that people have ever done and probably just a lot of lies I would say it reminds me of uh, there was It's Always Sunny episode where they have a apparently an app like you know in in this episode they have uh, girls can rate guys how good they are at dating, um, which the whole concept doesn't really make any sense because if a guy was like a five star guy then they would probably just keep dating the guy and then the guy wouldn't need to be continue to go on dates, uh, right? But uh, the concept is that you know these girls go on these dates with these guys and then they rate them online like how good the guy is and it's all like Tinder with with rating yes and then so. Okay. The, so then all Dennis becomes obsessed with is how, like, him becoming a five-star. I'm a five-star man. I'm a five-star man. It doesn't change the five-star man who he is. I'm a five-star man. I'm a five-star man. <laughs> you know, like, all he just, the second he sees a girl with her phone, he assumes he's, they're rating him. And, you know, like, right. what are you rating me? Like, he just becomes obsessed with just how could he be, the, you know, the highest rated. And so it it makes sense in that. But, like, 
from a consumer, like what does Uber care if somebody's like a three versus a five? That, that's pretty strange for a, uh, I mean, maybe so they can remove you, but I feel like that would be more of like an incident-based thing. Yeah. I, I just probably just to track more data to yeah. use against you. I don't know. I know someone who works at Uber, not car driving, but computer sitting. Um, if, if, you're, if, if, if you're a driver, can you say you work at Uber? <laughs> I would. I think I would too. <laughs> yeah, sounds more a slightly more impressive. Not very, a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's quite a big difference, though, to be working for Uber, or working at Uber, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, be, yeah. Be careful that uh, terminology in the future. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I'm gonna be be honest though. I didn't even know as a a rider of an Uber that you get a rating, and I'm, I kind of I need to check to make sure that. Uh, Yeah, we do. We do. Um, and, and here's the crazy thing about New York and Ubers is that it's highly regulated. Uh, it's not like other cities. So, like, the the Ubers have basically the same, like, a little bit looser, rec- like, uh, qualifications that the taxis do. And so I had, a, I had a conversation with one of the guys, one of the Uber drivers, and he was saying that, like, you know, to get a medallion uh, for to be a yellow taxi, right? It like used crazy. to be- yeah, so it used to be he said it used to be a million dollars to get to get yeah. just the medallion just so you could be a taxi driver. And he said, you know, so people would split it and you know, he said even taxis now are basically every car is driven like 24 hours a day. People split it up between a couple people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And but he said now they're like $450,000 and nobody's buying them. Yeah, which is I mean, it's what is the downside other than this infrastructure is going to be like, no, yeah. So the only exactly, but the, but the difference, the the way New York is trying to fight this is that they have regulated Uber so much. Like these guys have to be their cars cannot, you know, it's not like even Uber X, their cars cannot be like over two or three years old. He was telling me, and then okay. he was saying that every one of them has like the crazy back. Like they go through the same process basically that a, a, a yellow cab does, which is a really like really long process and it's you you have a ton of expenses so it ends up being like the same price as a taxi which is pretty annoying uh in new york so the really the really the only advantage is that you get to like just have them come pick you up a lot faster and get you you know like you can type in where you're where you're getting picked up and where you're going and like you can see the time of it and stuff opposed to yellow tax you know yellow cab but price wise it's not cheaper i mean those couple things are like they get way better than using a cab like, I would still... Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. So does the city just make money on getting the yellow camps, and that's why they're just trying to keep it alive or something? Yeah, and they're still making money. the medallions, right? I mean, that's the... Uh, oh, that's totally why. I mean, yeah, I mean... the. So I mean, stupid. Yes, that's, that's totally why they don't want these things to die, and that's why they're doing all this stuff on Uber so that it's not as big of an advantage. Because obviously in other places, the taxi companies are taking a huge hit. And it's like if we can, you know, try to even out the playing field. But here's the problem with this: is this is the kind of stupid stuff the government tries to do, and all that does is that hurts the consumer. Like that's hurting now me going to New York. Now I have to pay a lot more, you know, than I yeah, would I mean, normally. It makes no sense. It well, yeah, it makes sense for them because they're making money. But now you're just jacking up the prices of everything. I mean, it's like sorry yeah. that your crappy product isn't good enough. You know that people don't want to take an; they'd rather take an Uber or a Lyft than a taxi. But 
you know, I'm it, it, you, just because you're regulating that, that just it hurts everybody except for you. You get yeah. your money, you know. Let but, me uh, let me run this idea by you. So, have you been to Seattle? Yes, I have been to Seattle. And so the public transportation is just garbage out here. I have not taken I have not taken any public transportation there. There's buses, and then there's one like monorail thing that goes basically from like downtown to the airport and back, and it's just useless. Yeah. Um, and so they need to build like they they have they even pass this law to build a subway where registering your car costs three hundred dollars, and that's supposedly going towards the subway. But then nobody wants to actually deal with the construction of the subway. So I have the idea. What if they now they I mean. Google already has autonomous cars yeah. driving around, doing yeah. things on their own, just creating whatever they do. Yeah. Um, so what if they created a fleet of automated cars and made like road trains on the highways? Like we, I mean, we already have HOV lanes yep. that are just dedicated. Just make those road train lanes with only fleets of automated electric cars mm-hmm. and that's what people use as a public transportation. As so you don't even have to build. Interesting. You don't have to build anything. Yeah. The infrastructure is already there, and it's pro- and it'll be way faster than sitting in the HV lane because it'll all be robots controlling. They'll know how to keep it moving. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't see why that wouldn't be just perfect. Well, I I know that Uber is going. There. I mean, Uber's already looking at the you know the autonomous vehicle option for the future. Um, yeah, but as far as like, I've never, I haven't heard it for like a public transportation type of situation. That is interesting. Yeah. It just seems like that would, something like that would be ideal for yeah. a city like Seattle where they're doing, everybody's fine with like technology, like new technology yeah. and we have no, like there's no room to build a subway, but we already have highways. And that way, if like a homeless person poops on the car, it would just be in like a car instead of a big bus. So it wouldn't yeah, be and then you can just incinerate sources. that car. Yeah, you could just burn the car instead of having to burn all yeah, the with, with with the homeless person in. Interesting. <laughs> well, it's like no, they get out. They get out. They're fine. Okay. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I haven't worked out all the. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. There, there's a few kinks in your plan, but it's all right. There's a lot of homeless people yeah. around here. Is there? Yeah, I can see. Oh, that. oh yeah. A lot of really annoying homeless people who have phones and iPods and <laughs> some and are just standing there with some BS. They, yeah. white, they have whiteboards. Whiteboards? Cardboard. Whiteboards. Whiteboards with some story on it. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. All right, Banks, how about we go to uh, the interview with Nate Boyer? Here's, here's a little, like, a, he didn't have a ton of time, and I knew that going in, but I just, I've been trying to plan this interview for a long time, and I was really just excited to have him on the phone. Uh, so yeah. we didn't get to everything I wanted to get to, but... There's so much more you guys can learn about him. Go to his website, uh, nateboyer.com. Also follow him at nateboyer37 on Twitter. But, uh, you know, just a super interesting guy, and he does a lot more charity work uh, than it says even that we talk about in the interview. Uh, But, uh, you know, just a really interesting guy, and uh, here you go, Nate Boyer. Recording live from somewhere. Nate, thank you very much for calling in, man. Of course, brother. So you were just at the uh, Gridiron Greats uh, award ceremony, right? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, yeah, fortunate to receive this Marv Levy uh, Impact Award. It's pretty cool. Marv Levy, World War II vet himself, and also a head coach for the 
bills for years and all that. So pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I got introduced to that because I was doing the voiceover. As I mentioned in the email, I, I was doing the voiceover for the little promo videos that I think were going on before you guys went up. And then right. I, I saw that uh, you did a lot of work in Tanzania. And then we do a we do a segment on the show with Tanzania News. And we started doing that because I wanted to do like everybody's doing new segments on different shows and stuff like that. And I wanted to pick the most country that I figured I knew the, the least about. And then I'm going to, you know, right. pick some story and just a culture that's completely different and all that stuff. But uh, so we'll get we'll get to the Tanzania stuff soon. So just real fast here. So you were um, former Green Beret. Yes. And from that, you went to the Texas Longhorns. Yes. I went to Texas when I was 29. I think so many people think that's just an insane, you know, people think at, at 29 that they're, they have to be doing all this stuff. I mean, like. What what made you want to move from, you know, being a Green Beret, which is an incredible thing, to wanting to play with the Texas Longhorns? It's just something that I always wanted to do. I don't know, that's something that's confusing to me often. Like, why why do people think they have to do all this stuff? Or what, what stuff is it that we think we have to do? You know? I mean, yeah. what you should, what, what you need to do is what you love, period. You shouldn't be wasting your time trying to, fit somebody else's profile or you know limit yourself because you're only you're supposed to do something because that's what society tells you it's just it doesn't really make any sense to me i never understood it yeah i completely agree and you never played down a football before you joined the texas longhorns right you went as a walk-on yeah. But what do you think it is that normally stops people from like just doing what they want because it seems like you've got this lifestyle right. of I, that's something I want to do. That's something I've always wanted to do. Let's go do it. Uh, I think it's lack of humility and worrying about what everybody else thinks. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, people are just so concerned with how they look to everybody. If they fail, like, oh, they're, you know, someone's going to laugh at me or, you know, people are going to think that I'm dumb or, I'm, or I'm, uh, you know, I made a bad choice. It's just it's so stupid because <laughs> yep. we're all dying. Yeah, <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I just never understood it. Um, it, it just bothered me from a young age. It's probably why I didn't go to college when I was eighteen, nineteen. I could, but I just was like, I don't even know what I want to do, and yeah. why do I have to feel all this pressure to go do something just because other people people think it's what I'm supposed to do or what I should do? Yeah, I completely agree. So, did you go to the military straight out of high school? I, I uh, worked on a fishing boat. I did all kinds of odd jobs, kind of traveled a little bit, like just bummed around for a few years trying to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I think that, uh, you know, whenever you feel it, you just got to go for it. And I just, you know, I think you're doing a great doing a great example of that. And then you went from the Texas Longhorns, you actually got the Sports Person of the Year in 2012-2013 for the Big 12, which is incredible. Yeah, I think it's because I was still in the service. So while I was playing football in Texas, I still uh, – deployed every summer. I went to Afghanistan uh, in my, in my, you know, my, for my summer internship. <laughs> yeah, a little different of an and, internship uh, than most kids. Yeah, and I just, because I just enjoyed doing that, and it was still a mission that was important to me, and I just had to, I, in my mind at that time, I just had to keep serving in some way, and it was just good to get away. Yeah. I, I, I liked it. And and then you uh, got a, uh, then you were on the CLC Hawks for a little bit. And so, like, how did you how did you yeah. get to that next level? 
I, I was asked to play in a senior all-star game uh, called the Medal of Honor Bowl, actually, out in Charleston. And I went out there, and, you know, I was only about 195 pounds in college, and I went out there and long snapped and played in the game, and a bunch of scouts there were suggesting I give it a shot, you know, and try to play, try to at least make a run at the NFL. I had to put a bunch of weight on, but, but I should go for it. So mm-hmm. I went home, and I came out to L.A. and started uh, – Training different and put a bunch. Put, I got all the way up to eventually 228 or 195, which was in like about four months. Wow. And, uh, you know, and then I got, was fortunate to get that call from, from Coach Carroll, uh, last day of the draft and signed as a free agent with Seahawks. So that was, that was pretty amazing, even though I didn't, you know, ultimately make the final roster. I played in the preseason and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty special. I don't know if anybody's done the statistics on this, but I can't imagine there's more than, you know, you that who has never played, you know, never played high school football, any of this stuff, and just ended up playing on an NFL team. It's got to be a very low number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't – probably not. I mean, unless it's maybe like a committed that played soccer, like a kicker or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would imagine. Um, maybe. But, um, yeah, so – I mean, I played other sports, you know, but I'm certainly not yeah. a great athlete. I just uh, just worked really hard and fortunate to get some opportunities and uh, didn't shy away from them. And, and now you're working with, uh, so let's get to Tanzania. So that's with the, the Water Boys organization, correct? Yeah, Water Boys, uh, started by Chris Long, who's uh, now a Philadelphia Eagle. When I met him, he was a, he was a Ram, and last year he was a Patriot. Patriot, so yep. yep. He's a journeyman, but he's a Super Bowl champion. So. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about uh, tell us about Water Boys. So it's basically uh, the reason he started it was he wanted to get NFL players engaged with uh, the communities in Tanzania to provide clean water. So they raised money within the locker rooms and fan bases to put these clean water wells in the ground in Tanzania. And uh, I, he asked me if I wanted to be part of it after I got released from Seattle, and I said I, I would like to, but I'd want to do something involving veterans too. Mm-hmm. So every year, the, the, what we do is I, I take wounded veterans out to climb Mount Kilimanjaro um, to raise money for the wells. So the first year I went with one, and this last year we went with three. We had a single leg amputee, amputee who was uh, she was a Marine, uh, she was a door gunner in the Marine Corps, um, and then we had a, uh, a blind Green Beret, and then a Ranger who was oh. a blow the knee amputee, and uh, all three of them summited as well as the football player who went with us. So it was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. Have you Did you have any climbing experience prior to this? No, no, just, just my time in the, in the military, you know, in the Special Forces. But not, no, not a not a climber. I mean, you know, Kilimanjaro is very challenging because of the altitude. Yeah. But it's not a, it's not a technical climb. Gotcha, so. gotcha. And, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. You're making these people that, you know, like somebody that's blind, being able to climb – you know, Mount Kilimanjaro, which it's just it is incredible. And you're giving these people these opportunities. Yeah, I mean, those guys are, those guys are, all of them were, they have the same mentality and spirit, and they're just hard workers. And, yeah. You know, they're, they're not going to quit. So, yeah. It's amazing to watch it happen, though. Sure. So, tell us a little bit about your experience in Tanzania. What is the country like? You know, what are the people like? I'm sure you spent some time outside of just the mountain, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just some of the most, Beautiful countryside, the most beautiful people in the world. Um, 
it's hard to it's hard to describe unless you go. But I mean, yeah. we spend all our time out in the bush, out of the bush or on the mountain. So we don't really do any of the tourist stuff. And yeah. I mean, I guess climbing comes our kind of touristy, <laughs> but. But we go out there for the for the well dedication ceremonies in these really really remote villages, and um, I mean, people are so grateful. It's the biggest thing to ever happen in their in their area, you know. Yeah, and it helps get kids in school um, because they always build it next to a school or build a school next to the well. Yeah, and uh, you know, unfortunately, when all these young women have to go out and collect dirty water for miles and miles around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bad things happen to them sometimes. Yeah. It's really sad that they hear about that and now they don't have to do it just being there. And so they, they this is this is everything to them. The saying in Swahili in Tanzania is Majini Uhai, which means water is life and uh sort of their country slogan and because water is the beginning of everything and it's yeah. like their number one need out there, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you need it for the plants, you need it for yourself. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's everything, and it's something we take so much for granted here in the U.S. because everybody's just got you can just turn on your faucet and you've got it right at your fingertips. And in Tanzania, you know, these people are happy to go five minutes opposed to like you were saying hours. You know, sometimes to get to get water, and I think that's an incredible thing. Where can people go to donate to that? Oh, Waterboys.org/slash/Kili K-I-L-I is the is the website, and it kind of tells you about the whole mission and. Uh, the, the players involved and, and the vets involved and uh, yeah that's that'd be the best way I appreciate anything I mean we take uh, doesn't matter <laughs> the amount just that you, that you care you know even if it's just the cost of a bottle of water it makes yeah. a difference yeah I, I, yeah I think that's an awesome thing so do you, is there anything else you want to I know you gotta go so I, is there anything else you want to promote anything you know anything else that you want people to uh, to know before you uh, head off uh, no that's that's pretty good, I think. I mean, that's, uh, I appreciate you having me on and, and be able to talk about uh, water boys. I mean, that's, I don't talk, about, I don't get to talk about that as much anymore unless it's right around the season when we climb. So, yeah. um, it's good. I think this next year we're supposed to be, uh, potentially taking Ryan Lee, we're taking Ryan Lee and oh, awesome. potentially Ricky Williams and, uh, and Jay Feely's going to go. And so it'll be fun. That, yeah. That'd be, yeah. I get some more. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be very cool. That'd be very cool. Thank you so much for uh, for calling in, Nate. And people can follow you at Nate Boyer thirty seven on Twitter. I'm sure we can get a lot more information. And there's your website, nateboyer.com, And there's so much more to you than this, obviously. But uh, you know, I just I really appreciate you calling in. All right, I'm here. All right, talk to you later. All right. That's how I praise. So I really want to thank uh, Nate for calling in. Uh, you know, really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, super interesting guy. I think just a really inspirational guy too. I think just the type of person that you know if there was more of him in the world i think it would just be you know really a a better place and uh you know really appreciate him calling in so banks yes how about a jeff goldblum movie review about time hi 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 i'm jeff goldblum you, you interest me strangely. You have uh, you've uh, uh, tapped into some kind of secret vein. Why would you do that to Goldblum? What's Goldblum ever done to you? What's Goldblum ever done to you? Forget the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. Because she's sweet and like a peach, and like a juicy and sweet. You're afraid to be too Goldblum. He thinks if he smells Goldblum, he's gonna be Goldblum. By jamming them into his pocket. 
I'm gonna get my Goldblum on. That is one big pile of shit. Goldblum is content. Uh, people always ask me how I pronounce my name, Goldblum or Goldblum. Uh, I always tell them the same thing. How dare you speak to me? All right, Banks. 2002, you were 11 years old. Maybe 10. 10 years old. Run, Ronnie, run. Banks, you ever seen Run, Ronnie, run? Um, No, not that I remember. I don't, I don't think I did. From doing time to prime time, run, Ronnie, run. Uh, directed by uh, Troy Miller, Troy Miller, uh, director of Jack Frost, and also like oh. 111 other things. So he's done a lot of stuff. I feel like I know that name. I mean, it's slightly generic, but I, yeah. I feel like I've heard it on something. I think Troy Miller sounds like uh, like the douchebag uh, bully in like a high school situation, right? Yeah, I could see that. Maybe did that happen? Did we? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't know anybody named Troy Miller, but I feel like that's just the type of thing it'd be. So this is, uh, yeah. Okay, so this is starring uh, David Cross. Do you know who David Cross is? Uh, probably, but no. David Cross is Tobias in uh, Arrested Development. Okay, yes. Bob Odenkirk is, uh, he is the guy that's in uh, Better Call Saul. Okay, yeah. So the two of them have been friends for a long time. Uh, they did another show with Mr. Jeff Goldblum that also will be featured uh, in another episode that I recorded with Trevor that will be at a different time. But uh, this – okay, so this is crazy, this uh, this episode here, or this movie. The, okay, so basically it's about this guy who is played by David Cross named Ronnie Dobbs. And Ronnie Dobbs is like a redneck, you know, guy in the South, and he keeps getting arrested. And then Bob Odenkirk is like a failed um, infomercial guy, and he has an idea to get uh, Ronnie Dobbs a, his own reality show where he just gets arrested in like every city. Right. So, not you know, not a bad, not a bad concept here. It's a comedy. Yeah. And they were able to get everybody. Everybody is in this movie. I mean, it, the I, I'm going to go through. I'm just going to quick – I couldn't even print it all out. I'm just going to go through here and just – this name is – list is insane. And I'm not even – I'm missing – I'm going to skip over some of the ones that I guys I recognize that I just didn't even – you know, like I'm not even going to tell you what they were in. So, okay, so Jim Norton is in this. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, obviously. Jeff Goldblum plays himself. R. Lee Ermey. Um, Jack Black. Jeff Garland. Kathy Griffin. Rebecca Romaine. John Stamos. Ben Stiller. Matt Stone, Trey Parker, the South Park guys. Yeah, Sarah, ridiculous. Yeah, Sarah Silverman, Andy Richter, Dave Foley. Dave Foley was in a movie with Brendan Fraser called uh, Brain Candy. Have you seen that one? Yes, I have. It was bad. <laughs> Doug Benson, Patton Oswald. I, I'm there's that, so that there's people I'm missing, but it's it's an absurd cast. Um, you know, a lot of people are in this. Here's yeah. and so Jeff Goldblum is in that. So. Here's the problem with this movie. It's like it's got everything going for it. Like it's got a director that's done a ton. It's got actors that are funny, like a lot of guest appearances, stuff like that. It's just like it, it's like comedy. Here's how I would describe the comedy in this. It's like comedy designed that it's comedy that would like kids that were like, you know, 10 and under would find funny. Maybe like 14 and under would find funny. But it's like adult humor. Like it's like all it's it would you know, I I don't know. Let's see what it's rated here. Uh like Slapstick. Yeah, it's like sexual slapstick comedy. I, I don't understand it because it's like, it's not like smart. It's rated R, so this is a rated R movie. But it's it's clearly like it, the people that would find this funny are 
it's like to me it felt like a uh like a Joe Dirt type ripoff type movie. Uh-huh. Uh you know, no just, story or like just The story was fine, you know, it's just a concept of this guy just he gets to go to LA because he, you know, is going to be famous on a reality show. But it sounds good. I mean, it sounds good. And like there were some funny like spots and like some funny parts in that. I'm not saying it wasn't funny at all, but like I just didn't really get it like the, the comedy, like I said, if this were rated, it was like comedy that was should, should be PG, but like the stuff of it, it was definitely R. Like it just didn't make sense. Um, so I was not a not a huge fan of the movie. I would give it a uh, Randy Quaid on the Jeff Goldblum movie review scale. I can fly. I'm pilot. Which is bottom tier uh, Jeff Goldblum movie. Jeff Goldblum is uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum is pretty funny in it. There's one part that Ronnie is like trying to find himself, and he's in like a a circle where people are sitting around telling about like what they feel. And Jeff Goldblum like is kind of like mocking everybody else that's in this group, and he's like, "I feel like I should get my money back. Uh, like I want to be fully repaid for all the money I've given you." And you know, like he just like keeps like making fun of everybody, and keeps just getting yeah. at the fact that like he wasted his money yeah. by being in this group. He's being Goldblum. He was being Goldblum. Yes, he was being Goldblum. Yeah. He was playing himself. So uh, <laughs> it was good. Run, Ronnie, Run, 2002. I uh, can't say I recommend it. But Wow. You may have saved me from watching something <laughs> that I thought would be good. I know. You would think, right? Uh, yeah. Nate Boyer will be the Tanzania news for those that haven't figured it out, uh, you know, after his work with Tanzania. So uh, we will wrap up the show there. But uh, – Banks, uh, you know, thank you a lot for calling in. You know, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the offer. I'll, I like to, you know, chop in whenever I can. Yeah, and and we always want to encourage people to follow Bad Piece Thirty Three on Instagram, right? Can you give us a little update on him? Yeah, yeah. So wait, let me let me score. Yeah, no problem. So Bad Piece Thirty Three, uh, Pat Callahan. For those that don't know, uh, the real Pat Callahan. The real Pat Callahan. Yeah. So let's see. Um, where was he? It looks like he was. Uh, uh, he's on a cruise. All right. He, he spends a lot of time in the Bahamas. Yeah. Um, he recently posted several selfies from the beach. Good. Uh, he was driving a convertible Mustang. Beautiful car. The two R's. <laughs> uh, oh, he corrected a car one R. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't you know. He's uh, he. It, it, Something I recently noticed is just how much, how much person there is between the bottom of his chin and the start of his neck. Hmm. He's got a, there's just a lot of a lot of extra human in that area. Long neck. Not so much long, it's just like heavy. Ooh. Yeah. I'm sure he'd love I to hear I, that. I'm not, I'm not totally sure that there is a neck under there, but <laughs> uh, but definitely it, it works for him. He pulls it off somehow. Uh, so yeah, it's bad piece thirty three on Instagram. Um, I think we actually we're making a pretty significant push for him. I don't. I mean, all his pictures have likes by somebody I know. Yeah, I, as soon as I Instagram, one of the first thing I did was follow him, and it's been the best thing I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just want to. I, I, it would make me so happy to somehow get this guy on some some level of fame or notoriety. Oh yeah, totally. And I, don't, I just don't. I'm like, what is this? What, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And so uh, people obviously follow him there. Also, me and Pat, um, if this goes through correctly, we or Pat will be doing a live podcast from 
the Morton Grove, Illinois parade. We actually be doing a podcast in the parade. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. We'll be on either in a car or on a float uh, recording the podcast that will come out that Thursday, but we're recording it in front of a live audience. Oh, you so, need to make a trip to the float. So I know, I know. we got to figure out the details. Not a lot of time and a lot of planning to do. So uh, hopefully that all works out. If that is the case, you guys will hear that next Thursday. If not, then we'll have a different guest on there. But that anyway, amazing. Yeah, thank you uh, for calling in, Banks. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And the show has ended. Y'all, y'all, y'all finished or y'all done? Now you know you got to go. Peace. This is Yasin.